When you work in educational leadership, you don't get off at five o'clock. Your mind is always on the clock, thinking of ways to solve problems for your students, parents, and teachers. On the Clock is your go-to podcast to learn valuable insights from education leaders across the United States. I'm your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, former White House appointee to the U.S. Department of Education, and we are now on the clock. As anybody who listens to this podcast knows, this is an education-focused show where we discuss the important issues for superintendents, students, and families. Sometimes we discuss the issue of politics that are more and more becoming part of the education conversation. The teaching of American history, for example, is becoming a debate in our nation as to how much to focus on the negatives and the positives of U.S. history. With the presidential election upon us, I fear that it is only going to get worse as we hear from the most radical voices on each side. I think I'm like most Americans, somewhere in the middle, that America is the best, freest nation on earth. I also know that America, as any country that has ever existed, has had moments of shame. The interview you're about to hear is with the voice of my favorite U.S. history podcast, American History Tellers, with Lindsey A. Graham, the podcaster, not the senator. I think this podcast, unlike the political debate we're about to hear in the presidential election, gets the balance just right. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome back to On the Clock. I am your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, and I am thrilled beyond belief to have our guest today, Lindsey A. Graham, uh, the the producer, the the voice of my favorite podcast on the planet Earth, American History Tellers. And Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you. Um, so when COVID hit, you know, this, this podcast was invented, uh, Lindsay, because I couldn't talk to superintendents around the country because we were locked in because of COVID. And so I just decided to create an education-based podcast. And so all we have done for the last two and a half years or so is talk to uh, superintendents of education across the country. I know that you're based in Dallas. Uh, About a year ago, we spoke to Dallas ISD superintendent, Michael Hinehosa, one of my good friends in in this business. Uh, But I will tell you that I, I spent a lot of days walking uh, in my neighborhood, getting steps in, listening to American history tellers. And I will tell you that I, uh, I'm a fairly educated person, but uh, you have made me smarter about American history. Thank you so much for what you do. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to do for our listeners who have never heard your show is I want to play uh, a little clip about how you start so many of your podcasts about every aspect of American history. And so I'm going to take a second here and let you, uh, let, let's hear your voice on your show. And this is a clip I found uh, most recently. One of my favorite things about American history, Lindsay, is, is learning stuff I didn't know anything about before. You know, so much of what we know about American history in so many instances is, is a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And you go feet deeper on so many uh, aspects of things I thought I knew about. So with that, I want, I, want, I want to have our producer, Tony, play a little clip to give our listeners a sense of how you, how you present. Imagine it's Tuesday, October 29th, 1929. You're working at your regular spot on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange 
but today is anything but regular. The screams are so deafening that you can't even hear the trading bell. You're screaming as loud as anyone. Your hand stretches high in the air, and you strain for a buyer to see you. You need to move fast. The prices are tumbling. Every time you hear someone make a trade, prices seem to plunge lower. Even solid bets like U.S. Steel and Westinghouse are crumbling. You need to get out. Adult men shove and jostle like grade school kids straining to be first in line. They're shouting at the top of their lungs. Do their eyes burn as much as yours? You haven't slept all weekend. Traders clamor as allied chemical stocks plummet. Someone wails like he's just been gutted. You see a man sitting right on the trading room floor, holding his head in agony. The din echoes off the exchange's stone walls. You get ready to offer a thousand shares of RCA at way too low a discount. Just as you open your mouth, you're knocked to the ground. As you scramble back to your feet, you see a portly trader in a gray vest, cursing at the man he just pushed into you. The trader's face reddens as he yells. His rolled-up sleeve tightens as he winds up for a punch. The other trader ducks, but you don't. The last thing you see is his fist. Lindsay, how do you how did you come up with this notion? I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'll be really honest with you. Many of them are sports related. <laughs> um, there's almost nothing that I've ever seen in my life like your podcast. How did you come up with this this way of doing it? Well, I, I have to give credit to um, who really brought the concept to me um, back in 2016, uh, Hernan Lopez, who was uh, CEO of Wondery, a much smaller company back then than it is now. Um, he uh, had uh, some, some ideas about new shows and where the podcasting industry was going. He's from a very Hollywood uh, film and television background. Um, and... So he had some uh, some success with two podcasts of his. Uh, one uh, by um, called the Inside series, kind of a, a a dramatization of inside different Hollywood movies, like Inside Jaws or behind the scenes sort of things, that had these dramatized moments. And then he also had some success with another history podcast um, called Tides of History. And so he he had this notion that he he would smash the two together and come out with a uh you know a, a academically rooted but still entertaining American history podcast and um for reasons I still don't understand approached <laughs> me to to host it and I I was glad that I was able to say yes what were you doing before that uh I was working uh at Southern Methodist University in marketing I had actually um, started and left a audio production company um, because it just wasn't working out. And uh, with my tail between my legs, went back to my day job. And has history always been something you've been fascinated in? Or is it something that, I mean, you have the voice, Lindsay. So like maybe you're, maybe you're voice first and history second, or are you history first and voice second? Uh, I, I, I was, I was voice last. I, I never, um, I never expected to be on this side of the microphone. I was audio first perhaps, and then history second. So I'm a musician and a composer and, and I liked producing other, you know, musicians, bands, uh, around town. And so that's why I'm, I'm familiar with, with microphones and the technology and why I have this space, uh, that I'm talking to you in. Um, and why I attempted to make a uh, an audio production company uh, a, a go at that, 
But uh, yeah, I was almost a history major uh, back in college. Actually, I was, uh, but I switched um, uh, to business. And uh, it's always been captivating. My best teachers were always history teachers. Uh, so it's been a fascination of mine forever. Um, and then uh, I suppose my love would be, would be audio. And then the idea that I would be actually performing and, and, and narrating, doing the voice work, was something that I actually had to be coaxed into. It, it was unfamiliar ground. I, um, I, I've had a love of history from the time I, the earliest moments of my life. And I, I, I have noticed different trends over the course of my life of 55 years old. And I grew up hearing about um, George Washington and the cherry tree and his honesty and his ability to throw a silver dollar over the Potomac River. Um, these were myth-making, in some cases, creations that I think most countries all do because there is value, isn't there, Lindsay, in like creating the something that kids can believe in because you're trying to build a country and you have to build you have to build myths of some sort, some of it true, some of it half true, and some of it maybe not even at all true. No, I, I, I think so. Um, you know, when I, I went to college uh, in Mary Washington College in Fredericksburg, uh, which was uh, young George's hometown, mm -hmm. and I was told there that it was not the Potomac he threw a silver dollar across, it was the Rappahannock, <laughs> um, a much smaller river, but still, that's a hell of a feat. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, I, I, I bring that anecdote up because the people of Fredericksburg uh, took, um, you know, a fantasy myth building legend and made it their own for the same reasons that it, it you know, sprouted in the in the first place. Um, I bet if you asked yourself, um, you know, the stories you tell yourself about your own parents, there's a fair amount of myth building in it. And it's it's to it's for anyone to become comfortable in the world they're they're in. Uh, sometimes th these myths are built for purposes, like you know our founding fathers have become these these storied icons, um, and because we needed to rally around people. You start reading though, and you realize that they are a, a fractious uh, group of individuals with very different motivations and sometimes conflicting. Uh, motivations, and and they turn out to be just human, but the myths are are consolidating. They're they're streamlining. They they point in easy directions for us to follow, to be inspired by, to be directed uh, by. Um, these things happen all over the place. I uh, so you know this podcast is a uh, education related podcast. I I feel uh, as I'm reading the news even. As of today, um, there is about to become a presidential uh, election, a, a competition, and you're going to start hearing different thoughts and theories about how and w the right way we teach American history in this country. And I was recently with a superintendent who was talking about how a certain state, uh, not a certain state, Florida, <laughs> is 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 teaching uh, slavery, and and this will become a topic uh, that will be on the front page of every newspaper. I'm almost certain. My background, uh, as you may or may not know, is 
is the 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 connection between politics. I worked on several presidential campaigns and then working uh, as an education consultant, uh, having worked at the U.S. Department of Ed. I, I feel very certain that we're about to have a conversation in this country about how we teach American history. And, you know, I grew up and I, I feel like I've been through certain phases of the evolution of, of what we talk about when we, when we discuss history in, in, in the U.S. And I, I grew up when, when I learned about the Civil War, I certainly learned about slavery and I certainly learned about a little bit about Reconstruction. But the Reconstruction piece that I learned about had a lot to do with uh, carpetbaggers. Like mm-hmm. there seemed to be like this sort of sentiment that uh, the South was abused by these Northerners who came down and took advantage of them. Uh, I recently listened to one of your podcasts um, where you had a conversation with, I believe, a uh, uh, an, an educator. And one of the things you said really stuck with me because I'm at the same time, Lindsay, I was reading the, a book about the Colfax uh, massacre in Louisiana um, where a, a hundred or so African-Americans were murdered by uh, basically the first wave of KKK people in Louisiana. And you said something that really struck me, which was we really lost a moment in American history with Reconstruction. We, we could have done that better. And I, I, I could not agree more. I mean, we, there's a few moments in American history where we could have like, we'd like to have that one back. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably, um, it's not an accident that the most misunderstood era of American history, Reconstruction, the, the, the worst taught is also the most consequential. Yeah. Um, that period of, of 20 years after the, the Civil War uh, had so many opportunities to change the course of the nation, and it did. But I think um, ultimately it was a, you know, a, a route that we, we doubled back on and to tragic and, uh, and you know, consequences. So, but yeah, I, I learned the same things in school that, that uh, Reconstruction was uh, a, a bunch of carpetbaggers coming down from the North and imposing their will on the South. And, um, you know, of course, I learned that in a Southern state here in Texas. Um, I, I learned it in California, Lindsay. Right. Well, you know, th- th- there, there's cases to be made that portions of California are Southern states. Um, That's a fact. Uh, yeah, you know. It is, it's, it's amazing what the narrative, uh, how important the narrative is and how easily it can be commandeered and what the real study of history does for you in these instances, like us two 50 something, you know, men recognizing that what they've been told was a lie. Um, and, and, and the consequence of that lie was that for us, reconstruction was inconsequential. And the reality is, it is the in basis of, for the entirety of the racial conversations we've been having for the last 150 years. I, it didn't have to be that way. Uh, so here's what's going to happen in, in, in the debate that I predict will happen in the presidential election. You're, you're going to have two extremes. Um, you're going to have American exceptionalism on one hand, which is a concept worth 
I think worth debating because I think we are an exceptional country. I think we have tried to do something in the in the history of the world quite different than than predecessors where we have brought together multiracial people in one one continent and tried to make it work uh, e pluribus unum and of of many one uh, of and 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 then this the other side of that is the this notion and I, I mean I went to college I definitely spoke to a lot of people that thought that this country evil from conception and and a producer of most of the wrongs in the world and I think most people are somewhere in much more in the middle and and one of the things I love about your podcast is you're not afraid to expose the best and worst of this country um, because sometimes our the our ability to overcome the worst makes us so great and i i I wonder where you sort of stand on that aspect of American history. Like it's complicated. We are, context is something that we sometimes, Americans are sort of famously, we overlook context uh, is, as we teach things. Uh, for example, I grew up sort of thinking slavery was invented right here in the United States. It, it was a part of the world for uh, 500 years before America was even a country. I, uh, I, I want you to get your sense of like, how do we get, find some middle ground in education in, of, of Americans uh, as we're teaching students about our history? You know, I, I forget who said it, um, but uh, it was this notion that, that, you know, intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing thoughts uh, simultaneously. Mm. And um, while I think that it's easy to say that, you know, you know history is, is complex or it needs contexts, what I really want most people to do is to hold two opposing viewpoints of the same thing in their mind and both be valid. Was George Washington a, a, a courageous a, a man of integrity who, who led our country through this you know, terrible infancy or was he a slave-holding monster? The answer to that is yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, did he do some despicable things? Uh, did he almost start a, a war uh, in his, his foolish, young, uh, youthful pride in days? Yes. I mean, like, and, and I, I don't want to do this too often, but I, I would, I've been thinking about this. And, um, and I, I think the analogy sticks as well, uh, that, that if you think about your own family, your own parents, that you are able to, to have the horrible and the best uh, parts of them uh, occupy your mind at the same time. You may I, hate your father, but still love them. I had lunch today uh, with. Possible. I had lunch today with two people, and I told them really good stories about my dad. I, I did not tell them other stories about my dad. <laughs> you, you could right. not be more right. Yes, uh, because your father was a person. Yeah, and uh, and as a human. He has more facets than, you know, any jewel in the world. Um, and, you know, David McCullough made this very simple statement when, when uh, I interviewed him a few, few years ago, that, that he was interested in the stories that he, he writes about because history is human. And that's, that's it. 
If you understand that your best friend, that your employer, that your parents are, are complicated, contradictory, infuriating people that you still admire and love, then you will understand that your nation, your, your, your heroes, your, your, even your nemesis in history are the same. Uh, that, uh, that all of this is far more nuanced than, than the narratives and stories you're, you're, able, you're told when you're 13. And, um, and an investigation of history, a love of history, is the discovery of these very human moments and the consequences of the times on the people of the times. Uh, we, we don't have the, the, we don't have feel the, the, the current of those events so much because like any, any ripple, it gets diffuse as, as time goes on. But back then it was, it was, you know, a, a, a very strong current. And, uh, like in, in examples like reconstruction, uh, those ripples are, are still felt. I, you know, it's funny. I grew up in California where the monuments, uh, started in the fifties, right? Like it, it was, it felt like it was like half a country. And then I moved to Annapolis, Maryland, where we have alleyways where George Washington walked down. He walked down one of them. So we can't get rid of a damn one of them because he walked down one of them because he wrote about it. And he, uh, he retired his military time here in Annapolis and it, it becomes so much more real when when you get back here. I, I feel like half of the country must be like me in the sense that they don't have the ability to walk down alleyways that George Washington walked down. And 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 he becomes sort of a cartoon, you know, for a lot of people that he he was real and and he 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 brewed his own beer. He he's a fascinating You've mentioned him a couple of times, and he really is sort of the indispensable man in American history. I, 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 I wish more Americans could come see where he lived, see where he walked, see what was right about him. And as you mentioned, his slave owning, um, see what was wrong about him. I think there's a great connection to place in history. Uh, you know, uh, um, it's it's why tourism is is often so you know uh, transforming. It's because you're in the place where stuff happened, um, and you begin to feel the awe of of just the the, the momentousness of, of human history. Um, we are a young nation. I, I just came back from from Europe uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, there's there's. It's it's very easy to stub your toe on history there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think probably uh, what you what you are getting at is um, a connectedness to to real history. Like if you step on this cobble and you are told that's where George Washington stepped, then you feel this electricity. You feel the the, the shock of the reality of it that he was a real person. Um, I think I think probably my mission in my podcast are to, without without bringing you stones to touch, um, are are instead to bring you stories that you can inhabit for just a little bit and and hopefully feel that same spark. One of the things that I just constantly adore about your podcast is you ask me to imagine that I'm a person. Uh, you ask me to imagine that I'm on um, Cemetery Ridge. Uh, during the Civil War, or imagine that I'm a woman who's 
who's arguing for the right to vote uh, for women's suffrage. Um, The History Channel is famous for calling themselves the ones that bring history to life. But boy, oh boy, I think you and your podcast do an amazing job of making me feel like I'm there. Um, That that doesn't happen accidentally. That's why I asked you at the beginning of this uh, interview, how did you come up with this? Because it's it does uh, for somebody who's hooked on it already. You've really hooked me in a really pretty dramatic way. I think very early on when we were developing this series, um, you know, we, we came up with the, you know, uh, the idea that this is a, an, every, uh, an ordinary person's history of America and that uh, these reenactments and the stories that we choose to tell um, are from uh, not just the storied participants and leaders of, of historical movements, but, but the, the, the everyday bystanders and, who are often most affected. So many of those stories, we will try to place you not necessarily in the halls of power, but adjacent to them Mm -hmm. Um, in the back alleys outside, taking the trash out from the, you know, and what that means. um, And, and, and to, to kind of, to humanize these events, what does it mean when, you know, there's a famine? What does it mean when there's a stock market market crash? What does it mean for not just the the stockbroker like like you just heard, um, but the the pharmacist down the street, who might have been snookered into investing a little too much of his own money in, in the in the market? Um, yeah, it, it was it was always very important for us to to center these stories on the everyday experience, um, so that a, a greater empathy could be felt for these people. So. Lindsay, I um, tell everybody, we, we share this with superintendents around the country, um, um, north of 250. H- how would they find you? How do they find uh, the podcast? How would they share that with their students? Um, well, the easiest thing to do is probably Google uh, American History Tellers. Now, we're going to put you in our notes when we, when yeah. we post this as well. Um, so that, that's the name of, of one of my podcasts, um, and uh, it's, it's on the Wondering Network. Any, any place you find podcasts, you'll be able to find it uh, once you search. Um, but uh, History Tellers in particular uh, of my shows is, is often used in classrooms, and I, I get just the best comments are from teachers and parents who, um, who enjoy spending time with their students or, or children listening to this podcast, either in class or, or on the car ride to, to school. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, it turns into, um, uh, well, let me give you an anecdote. Um, one <laughs> teacher who was, um, I guess in charge of the lunchroom one day decided to put on, uh, history tellers and, uh, thank me profusely for, for making it one of the quietest lunch periods uh, she's ever wow. had to proctor. Um, and I've gotten pictures back of, of, of students in rows at their desks with, with headphones on, each of them either looking deeply into space or heads down in concentration. There's something about listening um, that, that make, is a very intimate but can be shared experience. And, uh, and I, I'm glad to bring it to classrooms. Uh, we, we, I always love to hear uh, how it's being used in, in classes. But, um, yeah, it's freely available anywhere you get your podcasts. Lindsay, as we're taping this, um, it occurs to me that I, I just watched uh, Oppenheimer. Have you had a chance to see that movie yet? 
Uh, I'm seeing it next Tuesday. I'm looking forward to it. Like it's, it's, it's mesmerizing. It's incredible. And, uh, uh, it combines world events, history, science, and an individual that really is a striking person. I, I look forward to one day taking a walk and listening to you talk to me about Oppenheimer. Uh, what, what's next? What's your next thing you're working on? It, it, it occurs to me, Lindsay, that your product takes a long time to produce. How long does each episode take? Uh, I actually don't know the, the true answer to that. Um... So we have a, a, a fairly large team at this point. Um, you know, uh, we, we have a, a writer, a, a researcher, a fact checker, uh, a producer, an editor, an executive producer. There's wow. me. There's a sound designer. There's, you know, it goes on and on and on. So I, I, I couldn't tell you if, how, if, if, if I crammed all the hours together, how long it would take. Um, it's certainly a, a substantial amount of effort. And that's just for for one of my shows. I have I have four ongoing podcasts right now, all somehow centered around uh, history, American history tellers, uh, American scandal, uh, uh, business movers, which is a, a history of business show, and then history daily, which is kind of a, a more bite sized fifteen minute uh, on this day of history uh, uh, show. Well. Lindsay, I, I want to thank you for being on our show. We're going to share this with superintendents. It's my hope that more and more uh, janitors and kitchen people play your, your show in, in schools. Uh, I get smarter every single time I listen to your, your program, and I, uh, I, I hope and pray that uh, more people want to listen to it as we dive into uh, a debate about American history. I hope that the debate can fall on your shoulders and you can uh, and educate folks uh, in, in the way that only you do. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on. I've enjoyed the conversation. I have too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. On the Clock is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of shows, please visit us at stratagosgroup.com. See you next time.